hostages seized and threatened with death, civilians murdered to make a political point. It's not the Middle East today we're talking about, but the United States in the 1860s. We'll talk about atrocities in the Civil War when we return with Lonnie Spear on Civil War Talk Radio. Got a marketing department? Outsource it. Electronic Theater, a full-service multimedia ad agency, will animate your business. Still stuck with paper? Go digital. Engage your prospective clients with dynamic media, including voice, animation, video, music, and even virtual tours. Your interactive presentation illustrates who you are and what you do. Whether it's projected onto screens, handed out on CD with auto web link, or streaming from your website, Multimedia will grab your client's attention and keep it there. Electronic Theater makes it simple. We are knowledgeable, experienced, friendly professionals, and surprisingly affordable. So get your message out to the world. Electronic Theater, spotlighting your business. Check out our services and low CD replication pricing at electronictheater.com or call us at 760-436-8449. If you want to live a healthier lifestyle naturally, visit wellnow.ca, an all-Canadian quality resource. We provide the information and knowledge you need to make your best choices. Wellnow.ca gives you access to natural products and solutions, lifestyle services, and licensed health practitioners. Our free monthly newsletter delivers healthy living tips, articles, and expert opinions. Become empowered. Go to wellnow.ca today. Are you a health-conscious, motivated mom who wants to work part-time from home? Do you want to enhance your family's income, get out of debt, experience financial freedom, create a flexible schedule, set your own hours? These benefits are available to top performers of this 34-year-old, solid, stable company. www.lisastafford.com Achieve personal wellness goals and make a difference in the lives of others. Receive coaching from the top achievers at this company. For more information, go online, lisastafford.com. Interested in advertising on any of our shows? Please click the Advertise link on the homepage or send an email to ads at worldtalkradio.com or you can click on the Sponsor This Show link on any of the show pages. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. My guest today is Lonnie Spear, author of War of Vengeance, Acts of of Retaliation Against Civil War POWs, and other books on prisons and prisoners in the Civil War. This subject of acts of retaliation, of vengeance against prisoners, this book uh, just jumped off the shelf at me when I saw the title, because so much of what is written about the Civil War is uh, romanticized. Uh, you read about the, the, the brave leaders and the the stalwart soldiers and the women at home sacrificing for the cause, and uh, it's all good, as the kids say today. There's people who reenact the Civil War you know, don't say, let's go out and you know, murder some prisoners this weekend. Let's, right, sure. Uh, they're going out for the, the glory and honor of it. There, there's this idea that that was a different time, a better time, a more moral time. 
and this collection of, of chapters here on, on acts of, uh, of vengeance, of revenge, of murder, of hostage-taking, uh, you just read the chapters one after another, and, and it's uh, it's an eye-opener. Uh, what, what got you started on that project? Um, it was a spinoff of the Portals to Hell. Uh, in researching the Civil War prisons, I began running across a lot of the atrocities. Uh, within the prisons themselves, and also in the in the field, and uh, nothing much, like you say, nothing much has ever been mentioned about that, and uh, so that further drew my interest and in, uh, doing more detailed research. Um, as I'd stated earlier, and uh, researching the other wars, the World Wars, Korea and Vietnam, uh, the. The POWs and the people who faced those situations were debriefed and, and uh, interviewed and talked with and uh, everything after their ordeal, but those in the Civil War never were. So it was their uh, letters and their memoirs that drew my attention as to more or less the interviewer that should have taken place, what they were saying in those books. And letters and memoirs. So you were able to extract their story from. Well, yes, I was able to extract the information, uh, what they had witnessed. Actually, there were uh, in the Library of Congress. There's a mention of uh, um, murdering um, POWs uh, as early as September 21 of 1861 that I ran across, and there was no place to use that in Portals to Hell. But that's when I began thinking about uh, a subsequent book. Well, I, I just found it fascinating. There's uh, one chapter, maybe you can tell our listeners about this incident. Uh, some of them may have read uh, Philip Paladin's book, Victims, and may know the story. But tell us what happened at Shelton Laurel in North Carolina. In Shelton Laurel, um, a number of um, prisoners, both actually children and adults, uh, were taken out and executed. Um, they were supposedly. The I'm sorry, these are civilians. These are civilians, yes. Right. Uh, what I was able to uncover was um, information that the adults, uh, many of the adults involved in that, the victims, were actually uh, had served and later uh, um, left the 64th North Carolina Confederate Regiment. And, uh, they so they were viewed as deserters? They were viewed as uh, deserters, at least. Uh, that is one contention that uh, the Union soldiers, or the uh, soldiers had used, yes, 64th. They were in the 64th originally. Right. Now, the, the people who rounded up these civilians, they were themselves Confederate soldiers. Yes, they were Confederates, and they rounded up Union sympathizers. So the the people so they go through this small community in Western North Carolina. They collect these civilians. You say some of them are, are boys, right. others are some men. Some of them are uh, fourteen year old boys, fourteen sixteen years old. And they're accusing them of of sympathizing with the Union cause, and in some cases of of having deserted from Confederate units. Yes, and also uh, what brought this all about was the uh, uh, Confederate storage. Uh, areas in Marshall, North Carolina, were broken into um, sometime before that, and a lot of the stores were taken. Uh, what they needed was salt, 
Um, there was uh, salt was becoming very expensive in North Carolina at the time, and they needed that to cure their uh, uh, meat for the winter. And so they broke into the salt stores and uh, also looted um, along the escape path from Marshall. And, so uh, go ahead. And they sent um, Union troops in then to uh, round up the Union sympathizers in the area. So these the civilians who broke into these salt stores are doing this just for their own survival, not not because they're stealing right. this for for military purpose. Right. And and this is also the scene. Western North Carolina, like Eastern Tennessee, is a scene of uh, sort of guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, uh, there are Union sympathizers and Confederate troops at war. Right. They were constantly uh, back and forth. In the area, and also, of course, Missouri and Kentucky, um, where the situation occurred quite often. So, in these situations where neighbor is fighting neighbor, brother is fighting brother, uh, where you can't tell who's on which side, law and order breaks down, uh, morality breaks down, and you end up with the situation that you describe in your book where the Confederate patrol comes in under. They believe they're under orders to clean up the situation, right? Uh-huh. But the orders are ambiguous, and they the, the local commander takes it in his hands to clean up the situation by rounding up these men and boys, and and executing them. Right, just uh, took them out and executed them. That is, I mean, that really just does run counter to what we like to think of as. Uh, civilized behavior, uh, the, the kind of thing we, we expect American soldiers to do. Sure. Uh, we don't like to see them mistreating prisoners in the 21st century. That causes a scandal. But in the 19th century, to be taking out not only other Americans, but your fellow North Carolinians in this case, right? and just lining them up and shooting them is, is just, I found it shocking. Mm-hmm. There were numerous incidents of that in this state and in uh, also Tennessee and in Missouri. Now, much of this goes on. This is where, as you say, in Missouri and Kentucky, you've got cases where the uh, where there's guerrilla warfare, where, where there are sympathizers for the North and the South in the same community. Right. Uh, well, there's another one you describe in Texas, in Gainesville. Uh, well, Texas, yes. Uh, and again, even there, you have Union sympathizers. Yes. Uh huh. And what what was the Gainesville story? Can you refresh? Um, me? That was also a um, about eleven counties in uh, Texas, northeast Texas. Uh, there was enough Union sympathizers in that area that they were actually there was talk of uh, um, withdrawing from the Confederacy and forming their own state. Uh, much like what happened in Virginia. And um, in order to quell that situation, uh, the Confederate um, officials there within that area decided to take it upon themselves to uh, stop any further talk such as that. And they ended up uh, hanging about 40 men um, right there in Gainesville, right outside of Gainesville. Uh, two at a time over a uh, several-week period. Now, I had, as a guest, a few 
uh, months ago on the show, uh, James Lowen, who's written, uh, writes about uh, history, the way history is taught in America today, and he wrote a book called Lies Across America about historical mm-hmm. markers. And I believe he points out that if you go to Gainesville, there's no marker, no historical plaque anywhere about the Gainesville hangings. Hmm. There is something in about the Shelton Laurel killings. Isn't there a marker or a plaque or something? There's a marker that just points out uh, that the graves exist uh, further down the road. But it doesn't say what actually happened. Um, it mentions the fact that, um, I forget the exact wording, but that uh, it does mention something to the effect that uh, Union sympathizers were uh, killed during the Civil War by Union, by Confederate troops. Does does that story survive in in oral history and family tradition? Do people uh, tell yeah, stories it, about it? It's been apparently passed down um, ever since. By uh, that area has been isolated for a number of years, and uh, it. The families have passed down details uh, about the situation over the years. And in fact, uh, Paladin, who interviewed uh, a number of the relatives uh, in his book for victims, and I was able to also run across several of the family uh, stories that were written in, in the uh, local libraries and in the area. So, So sometimes history survives in, in curious places. I'm, I'm especially curious about sources that you used here because with the prisons, it seems like everybody who went into a Civil War prison and survived wrote a book about it if he could. Yes, quite a few of them did, yes. But people who execute their neighbors tend not to talk about that afterwards. True. Yeah. So how did you find material on these things? Um, family histories and the location in this area and... Um, historical societies and uh, individual researchers in the area who had done their own research. Uh, there were several unpublished accounts of some of the research that was done. Then I visited uh, the area myself and uh, looked over the areas and, and talked with a lot of the people who knew locally about the situation. Now, it's a uh... I mean, it really does pose a challenge to the historian to unearth sure. these kinds and of stories. There were also newspaper, but you can't uh, solely depend on those, but there were also newspaper accounts, contemporary newspaper <laughs> accounts, mentioning the situation. Right. But as you point out, those the reliability there is not going to be right. Right. entirely solid. What um, You must occasionally talk about your work you know, maybe to a Civil War roundtable or at a bookstore or mm-hmm. – what reaction do you get when you talk about these kinds of stories? A lot of interest, um, as you also, is, uh, they're surprised. Um, they find some of the situations hard to believe or never realize that such situations took place. Do you get much resistance? Do people say, no, that couldn't have happened? Uh, no, interestingly enough, I've never really gotten that much resistance on that as much as I have on uh, the description of the northern prisons. Really? I've still got communities 130 years later who uh, deny that uh, conditions were as bad at their location than it was anywhere else. 
We have, is that in the north and the south, or most? In the north. In the north, northern, the local, like in yeah. Elmira. Southerners admit, okay, it was bad, but we're glad that you presented the situation truthfully in the north. And in the north, there's several, uh, I've run across several communities uh, that uh, still deny or uh, refuse to believe the situations were that bad in their location. That's interesting. Interesting. Yes, uh, that's, I find that quite interesting myself. The my my experience as someone who grew up in the North and has moved to North Carolina is that there is a maybe a greater consciousness of Civil War history in the South. But it's interesting to hear your perspective that there's a certain amount of denial uh, of, of some historical arguments yeah. in the in the North. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was born and raised in the Midwest, too, and uh, moved to the South. So I've always felt like I was trying to approach the situation um, somewhat uh, um, honestly, as far as not slanting my research one way or the other. Because I, you know, I realize that I like aspects of both the North and the South, mm-hmm. so I have no reason to uh, try and argue one point or the other as far as just the fact that I try to be as neutral as I can and the situation was bad in both locations. Now, I was reading in North and South Magazine not too long ago an account uh, a Union Regiment in Tennessee where some stragglers get separated during a march and local uh, armed civilians, bushwhackers, capture the, the stragglers and execute them. They, they, one of the victims survives, uh, they, they kill most of them, one of them somehow survives and crawls away and they lives to tell the story of what happened to the others. Mm-hmm. This kind of, you don't exactly describe this kind of situation, but this kind of atrocity surely took place uh, on more than just that one occasion where right. uh, civilians might do this. And then you read a, uh, a counter uh, you know, retaliation uh, when uh, General McCook, Dan McCook, for example, a Union general, was, was murdered in Tennessee. He was in his in an ambulance wagon. He was ill, and, and Confederate bushwhackers captured the wagon and killed him. Mm-hmm. The response of the Union soldiers was to burn every farmstead and home within 20 miles, uh-huh. uh, hoping they got the bushwhackers' house, but not really caring. The point was to make a, a point in point. return. Now, this happens in the South. Uh, it's the bushwhackers who kill the, the helpless soldier. It's the northern soldiers who burn the southern houses. I have argued uh, on occasion that had the war taken place more in the North, other than Lee's invasion of Pennsylvania, but had there been lots of fighting in the North, you would have seen just the same phenomenon. You would have seen northern bushwhackers attacking southern uh, stragglers and, and southern hospitals, and you would have seen southern soldiers burning northern homes in retaliation. I agree, I think. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. I, I agree with that. And, I mean, I, I will say I've not heard universal agreement. There are those who would claim that, that for whatever reason, neither so northern civilians would... I'm sorry? I say you, you've heard claims that the soldiers would act differently if... Exactly. Either the southern soldiers would not have done that or the northern civilians would not have done that. 
Well, there's you know, plenty of instances where um, soldiers of both sides did it when when put in the situation or put into the circumstances. So I, I tend to agree that, that probably if there was more um, battles in the north, it would have occurred. Um, after all, they had southerners go up to New York and try and burn it down and uh, levy along St. Louis. So uh, they were... There were instances where uh, similar circumstances were presented. I think. And one would argue, perhaps from human nature too, that there's not that much difference between these people, both both peoples in the mid 19th century, uh, separated by region, but not by all that much else. Right. Well, we're going to take a short break now. We will be back with our guest, Lonnie Spear, to talk more about Civil War prisons and prisoners on Civil War Talk Radio. <laughs> ¶¶ 